Hello, welcome to episode 65 of Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Kumjohn, and thank you so much for being here. Today, we are going to be diving deep into IV nutrients. So you need to listen to the whole episode to find out what I mean by IV nutrients. But for a little bit of a backstory, my story really began when I was dealing with and quite honestly suffering from mold illness, undiagnosed mold illness for three and a half years. Tune in to episode 12 of Lifelong to hear my full story, my whole recovery story. Um, because if I can heal, you can heal. That's my little spiel that rhymed. But anyways, I wanted to bring someone onto the podcast that really, really knows their stuff when it comes to IV nutrients. Because for me, using IV nutrient therapy was so helpful when I was detoxifying from mold. In particular, glutathione was something that I loved. And to this day, I still love glutathione. I take it liposomally. But For those more extreme situations, glutathione is really helpful. Anyways, when talking to my guest, Michelle, who I'm going to introduce here in just a second, she had some surprising answers about my comments and questions about about glutathione. She actually has a whole list of other nutrients that she enjoys and recommends and takes pride in having a bio-individualized approach for all of her patients. Michelle Pazin is my guest today. She is a cardiac ICU nurse turned IV therapy nurse, and she wanted to find ways to help people outside of the hospital setting. After being on the front lines of the healthcare in the hospital setting for critical patients, she wanted to explore alternative, preventative, and restorative medicine in order to help people stay healthy and improve their health before getting to the point of needing a hospital. That's how she landed in IV therapy. So basically her whole world has flipped and she has worked the full spectrum of health and wellness from sick care to health care. And today she's working for a boutique aesthetics and wellness company called Haven located in the Northern suburbs of Chicago. And To listeners of this episode, Michelle wants to offer to those booking a service, adding on a free B12 shot. All you have to do is mention Lifelong. So with that, let's jump into the episode and learn more about IV therapy for health with Michelle Pazin. Please join me in welcoming her. Michelle, my friend Michelle, how are you today? I'm really good. How are you, Heidi? Doing well. I am just looking forward to having a conversation today as really two friends and talking about wellness and IVs and the medical system and kind of your experience with being a registered nurse and charting a new path that's more in alignment with your values and really wanting to help people. And I'm wondering if we can jump right into it because I know your background and I I (laughs) love hearing your story and I love what you're doing. I think it's this is the kind of change that we need in the world, especially with medical professionals. Can you jump in, introduce yourself and also just share a bit more about your experience within working in the traditional medical system and now what you're doing and what your goals are there. My name is Michelle. <laughs> I so I started off 
actually not in nursing. It's a second career for me. So I was working in orthopedic medical device sales and I did that for about two years. And then I was like, you know what? This just is not for me long term. I want to do something a little more stable um, for myself. So I decided to go back to nursing school and finish that. And it was like it was my dream to do ICU nursing. So I was somehow I got the opportunity and interviewed well enough to get hired for a CV ICU position. So that is a cardiovascular ICU. And we see patients like heart transplants, lung transplants, intense cardiac surgeries, stuff like that. And it was just like the perfect environment for me because I wanted to dive in and learn as much as I could. And we see some of the sickest people, most critical people in that area of medicine. And we're, we're uniquely positioned in a CVICU where you're dealing with multiple facets of medicine. You're dealing with the renal team. You're dealing with endocrinology. You're dealing with your cardiac surgeons. You're dealing with your cardiothoracic surgeons. Like it's there's just you're literally covering every piece of medicine. You're dealing with neurologists because it's very complex. So you're not just dealing with the heart and lungs. You're dealing with almost everything. Mm-hmm. So it was just the perfect environment for me to want to learn and be able to learn and soak up as much as I could in, in the information and the environment. And then things started to change a little bit for me. And as much as I loved working in the ICU, I started to notice like as COVID died down a bit and life started to return back to normal and families were now able to come visit their family members in the hospital and so on, the continuity of care was no longer there is what I noticed. There was a lack of communication between the teams, between the nurses and the medical, the other medical teams, the other doctors and specialists and You're in this weird position of trying to advocate for your patients, but you're not really able to move the needle anywhere. And then you have family members who are asking about updates for for their family member who's a patient, and there is such a thing as scope of practice. So you can only say so much as a nurse, Um, but also when there's contradictory information coming from different teams, it's really hard to stay consistent and then people start getting rightfully anxious because they're getting so many different things, so many, so much different information. So I just, it was almost like an uphill battle. And I really did start to feel like I walked into the hospital, they put some handcuffs on me and were like, all right, do your best. And it's so hard because I feel like nurses and I, this is my own personal experience. This could be like different for everybody in different settings, but at least for myself in the hospital, it almost does feel like you die a little bit with each patient who you can't help because your hands are tied to a certain extent. And the solutions could be there, but they just aren't being implemented appropriately. And it takes a lot because it also depends on your experience, how many years you've been in the field and how well you know the staff and It's a hierarchy and there's a lot of politics and it's very difficult to push through that. My mindset was I want to help people. I can't be a nurse and not help people. It's almost like an ethical dilemma. It 100% is. I think in general, we're all always concerned about 
safety of care and quality of care. And that's like the number one thing that we're taught in school also. But beyond that, it's we also have to protect our license. And I don't know if you are familiar with like when COVID was done and then there were a bunch of nurses who were being put on the chopping block with their licenses. And it's really because of short staffing and because we're being overloaded with patients and assignments. And it's fine and we can figure out a way to manage it, but you can't fix the cracks when it's short staffing related Mm -hmm. and especially in a critical care setting. So yeah, it really was an ethical dilemma. So like the best option for me personally was to walk away from the hospital and uh, go into IV therapy. And I've loved it since I've started. It's so great because I can still help people and my critical care background allows me to think through things a little bit differently as well. Mm -hmm. So I've had clients come see me and I've been like, you know what, I'm not okay to give you fluids today. I'm not okay to give you a treatment today. I actually think you need to go see the specialist before we move forward and get clearance because you're presenting XYZ and it's a little concerning to me. If you don't take care of it, it could be something worse. And that's happened. And clients have come back and been like, you know what? I had no idea to even look at this or even think about this. And they're like, I did go to my I did go to my physician. I did go to the specialist and they put me on a medication because apparently I needed it and had no idea. Mm -hmm. Or they have me on a new regimen and I had no idea. And it feels great because I can tackle the beast, if you will, before it becomes a beast. Yeah. yeah. And it's really nice. And I think a lot of the time right now, like our generation and maybe even like the generation, one generation older than us, they are looking at alternative forms of medicine. We're no longer just sticking to traditional medicine. I definitely think that it has its place. Mm -hmm. And I think that I come from a family of medics and doctors and all that. So I understand the importance of traditional medicine. But I think we don't have to wait until it gets so bad in order to get help or to maintain our health. And that's the beauty of IV therapy. Oh, my gosh. I have a a bunch of follow-ups. What is it like being in two alternate realities, working in two alternate realities, where one is focused on sick? sickness and extreme cases and the other one the world you're in now is preventative and wellness how has that experience been for you wild (laughs) because you're dealing with people in general are not the most pleasant sometimes and not everybody has a positive outlook and especially when you're so sick that you are in an icu you're getting people at their absolute worst And then not only are you dealing with patients who are difficult from a mental standpoint, emotional standpoint, and physical standpoint, but then you're also dealing with nursing and medical staff who are just completely burned out and angry. Walking into work, it's so hard at the hospital to connect on a different level because everyone's just burned out, tired, angry. They've their coffee hasn't hit yet. It's it's a whole different environment. And then when I left, everybody was just like all rainbows and sunshine. And it took me, it really took me a few weeks and I was like, is this real? Are, are we, I, I don't know, is this real? <laughs> and 
Unfortunately, you're right. This type of stuff is a luxury. Preventative health care is a luxury and it shouldn't be. It should be something that is readily accessible to anyone and everyone who wants to do it. And some places take insurance or HSA and some places don't. And it's a complete out-of-pocket cost and it's not cheap. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that it's like It's great and everyone can do it. I personally do like to do my best when I'm helping someone to Mm -hmm. ask them, okay, give me a budget. What is what is your budget for today? And how can I put something together that's going to help you within that budget? Because that's super important is taking that person's financial abilities into account beyond their health goals. And not not every place can do that. It's hard. So but overwhelmingly everybody in this area has been Mm -hmm. super pleasant Mm -hmm. the clients that come in to see me are so nice and like so overjoyed when they leave that it's such a it's such a like amazing feeling to my heart to be able to like see the progress and see okay you came in feeling like crap and you're walking out feeling like a hundred bucks, million bucks, you know, and it's it's amazing. My audience knows this and you know this too. I went through mold illness and that was very debilitating. And one of the best treatments for mold illness is actually glutathione. So can you talk a little bit about maybe some of these mm-hmm. illnesses that can benefit from IVs and in like a kindergarten level, the science of how it works? I'll do my best. No, I want part of education for clients who come in is also making sure that they understand it. So this is great for me to be able to do this. Yeah, mold illness is actually super common. And reason why is, especially now, during COVID, people were stuck at home and spend an incredible amount of time at home and didn't realize that they actually had mold in their home because mm-hmm. they didn't spend enough time there. And people started having this wide array of symptoms and couldn't really pinpoint exactly why they were feeling certain ways. And all of a sudden they're super tired or all of a sudden they're just feeling super nauseous or there's headache, frequent headaches. And it's just like there's no rhyme or reason. And it came out mm. that people were getting mold intoxication. Glutathione is great because it's a super powerful antioxidant, so it helps to support your immune system. Um, But beyond that, my absolute favorite treatment for anybody is high-dose vitamin C. High-dose vitamin C is so amazing because it helps rid the body of free radicals. So whatever inflammation or irritation that you're having in your body, it's supposed to help to rid the body of that trigger. And it also, vitamin C paired with glutathione is even a boost to support your immune system. So you can do both at the same time. You can do one or the other. There's really no right or wrong, but vitamin C is so amazing for a lot of different things beyond just mold toxicity. I recommend high-dose vitamin C for patients who are in remission from cancer um, because a lot of the time they they report severe fatigue and they just can't get their energy levels up and they have the residual like the residual effects of the chemo right and i this is like by no means we're not replacing chemotherapy go to an oncologist but the nice thing about 
have high dose vitamin C is the the dosage actually has a a prooxidant activity to it. It creates a cleansing effect, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it can be really beneficial. You and I have talked about this a lot, too, about Mm -hmm. NAD. Love NAD. It is controversial. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of people. There's like some demographics, the cancer population that I would not recommend it for. The reason being is because it does essentially promote cell cell turnover. So you don't want to be like reactivating cancer cells to replicate. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the controversy of you never know. It's not like we all get scans to full body scans to see if we're cancer free. But the most important thing about IV therapy is making sure that we get an accurate health history form from every client who comes in. If there's any changes to your health history, if there's any updates, any of that stuff, I like to stay on top of it. And that will get a better idea of who is and is not eligible to get certain treatments. It's all about safety. But we're going to we're going to bring it back to COVID again. But like a lot of people reported having severe brain fog after recovering from COVID. And NAD has been really great because not only has it helped with energy and helped produce like more effective mitochondria and ATP production in your cells, but people are reporting that they're having less brain fog as well. I think that's really great. Vitamin C actually has had the same, high dose vitamin C has actually had a similar effect for brain fog. I just, I've had clients come in who have had POTS and have had Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And those are a little bit different and I can get into kind of what that means. But POTS patients, there's different kinds of POTS and I'm not going to dive too deeply into it, but some of the most common forms are hypovolemic and that's when they can't really hold on to their blood volume as well. So when you stand up, your heart rate goes sky high and your blood pressure can drop and your body is trying to regulate the change of your position, the body position. And it's not really effectively. It could have severe migraines and you can have nausea and you can have vomiting. A lot of the time it has a lot to do with replacing volume in order to support your vascular system and promote proper circulation. So a lot of the time they'll have rain, you know what rain odds is? Yeah, where your fingertips and stuff turn pale white and bad circulation. Making sure that they have and sufficient circulation is really important. I don't really gear Mm -hmm. towards Mm -hmm. giving nutrients for them necessarily, but it's more so just focused on giving fluid resuscitation essentially. And resuscitation sounds like a really intense word, but for them it's go to the ED, the ER, a bag of hydration, but they've waited eight hours to get it. They've sat in the ED for hours just to Mm -hmm. be seen and they get hooked up to an IV and they've wasted an entire day. Not to mention the fact that insurance, depending on who has what kind of insurance, you're still walking out with a pretty hefty bill for a single bag. Schedule, same day, we want to, and get an IV. And they're out within an hour and a half tops. Their issue is volume, right? So normal mm. saline is great for POTS patients because... They the normal saline has a higher sodium content than, say, lactated ringers and normal saline Mm -hmm. and lactated ringers are used synonymously because both of them are as close to your internal homeostatic blood content as possible. 
those are most frequently used in the hospital setting because they don't really change your Mm -hmm. electrolyte balance. They keep you centered. But because normal saline has a slightly higher sodium content, I prefer to give it to POTS patients because their problem is how they hold fluids. And when you have a little bit higher sodium, you're retaining whatever fluid your body has because you want to equalize that in your system. Mm -hmm. It's all about homeostasis. You know when you say you feel bloated, like you've had a salty meal Mm -hmm. and you're like, I feel really bloated. Okay, so that's because your body's holding on to water because you don't want to have too high of a salt content in your system. So your body is naturally holding on to water to equalize it. Um, And that's essentially the same with normal saline is we want to make sure that they hold on to the fluids because they need it in order to maintain a good blood pressure. What is hypermobility? So it's when your joints are too flexible, like too mobile. So they could have frequent dislocations, for example. And yeah, and that can be dangerous. It can be painful. Obviously, the chronic pain is like the number one reported symptom for patients who have this. And it's usually like muscular pain and joint pain, which is your whole body. So it makes it very difficult. But for them, I actually do prefer to give some kind of nutrients Mm -hmm. in the drip, in the IV, because there are nutrients and ingredients that we can give that can help support your ligaments and help produce collagen and give muscle support and do all of that stuff. Some of the biggest things are calcium. And I don't have I don't have straight up calcium. You can take it orally and I definitely recommend taking calcium orally, but lactated okay. ringers does contain a bit of calcium. So for Ehlers-Danlos patients, I prefer to give them lactated ringers cuz it has more electrolyte content and it does contain a bit of calcium in there. Um And carnitine is really great. So that's an amino acid and it helps with metabolizing fat for energy production. But it also helps to promote normal heart and skeletal function and it increases muscular tolerance to exercise. So it helps recovery, but also, you know, the hypermobility and the frequency of risk of dislocation. You want to support your muscles for whatever recovery they need. Um, So carnitine is really, really great. It can also help reduce muscle pain and muscle weakness. So it's like you have a whole medicine kit of what do we need? And and that's the cool thing. Like there are nutrients. There are different. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't even call medications per se that can pertain to different cases, different symptoms, different symptomologies. And it's cool. it's, It's very individualized. I that's what I love about it. I mm. I could love a cookie cutter menu, but I think it's more beautiful and more scientific, which is critically think a little bit more when mm-hmm. you sit down and you talk with your patient and you're like, hey, tell me what's bothering what your number one concern is and let's take it from there. And then not only do they feel seen and heard and actually taken care of, but it's not like they're looking at a menu trying to figure out what fits them. You know, so aside from medicine, I'm an artsy person and this is essentially an art for me to be able to put all of this together. What are some other circulation tips besides IV therapy or nutrients? Do you have any favorite? Um, Besides nutrients or can I can I throw in a a nutrient in there? Um, Magnesium. I love. Um, Oh, love. 
magnesium has so many benefits and it is a vasodilator. So it actually helps to promote circulation and it also can help with muscle recovery. So if you're an avid athlete or if you have cramps or whatever, whatever muscle issue that you may be having where it's like a cramp, a strain or soreness, magnesium is really great for that recovery. But because it's a vasodilator, it also helps promote circulation to get mm. to those for blood to flow to those areas and also promote the healing process. Love magnesium for a lot of things. It's also really important for women's health. But I don't I really specialize in in IV therapy. Walking is really important. You have to stay active. One of the biggest things that we're very conscious about in the hospital is a DVT, which is a deep vein thrombosis. So when you're sedentary for too long and you're not walking, you're not moving, the blood pools and it can form clots. And that's super dangerous. Aside from IV therapy, aside from any nutrients that you may be interested in taking to promote your health and well-being, movement is always going to be one of the number one recommendations just to stay active. Again, don't underestimate these simple things like movement or a simple drip. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know another, I'm looking at your, your beautiful face right now. I know another thing that you're interested in is skincare and anti-aging. And I guess, what are your thoughts on nutrients for anti-aging or I guess some just general anti-aging wellnessy tips. First of all, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> but hydrate, honestly. It's it starts with hydration. It's the first thing you notice on your skin is when you're dehydrated. Vitamin C is super important. I even when you get it through an IV or if you use a serum, super important vitamin C. Again, it helps to free the body of free radicals. So whatever inflammation you might be having, it can target all of those different areas, whether it's internal, whether it's your skin. I'm a huge fan of vitamin C. I can't even say it enough. <laughs> but also collagen. There's collagen nutrients like taurine, proline, and lysine, and even biotin. Support your hair, skin, and nails. And as we age, we lose the ability to produce collagen as effectively. Mm -hmm. So taking those supplements, taking those micronutrients is going to help to boost your ability to produce those nutrients. Mm. Another big thing in the anti-aging world is NAD as well. So a lot of people do it because it helps them feel more energized and more active. And then because you're not having so much inflammatory stuff in your system, mm -hmm. you're freeing your body of all of that. You're actually seeing that it's the, the cells that are being, the effective and healthy cells that are being replaced in your body by NAD are actually helping promote anti-aging. Cool. I love so. it. Yeah. I mean, hydration is is huge and it's beyond, I've done a few episodes on water. It's It goes beyond just drinking, it's drinking mineralized water or maybe doing the extra boost of doing some IV therapy to really ensure yeah. that your true, your cells are hydrated. And I notice, like when my skin Get, I can tell I'm get, getting dehydrated maybe at a cell, cellular level when my hands get dry mm -hmm. and start cracking to have like this is TMI but like my hands would always like be cracked and dry when I was younger and when I was experiencing more health issues and then I realized like hydrated to mold illness does that mold makes mm -hmm. you very dehydrated so I'm glad that you mentioned that but 
I want you to share. We're, we're we're nearing the end now. So in closing, I would love for you to just share what you're up to, share where people can find you. Can they schedule an IV with you? Like what, what's the, the scoop? How do you want to close this out and let people um, get to know where you are? So I'm actually at Havum Aesthetics Atelier in downtown Northbrook, which is a north suburb of Chicago. It's like really perfectly positioned to be center for a lot of suburbs in the area or even from the city. It's a super like 25, 30 minute drive. Yeah. We're in this really beautiful area. We actually just moved into a new office. And when I tell you, it's like the most incredible thing. Mm -hmm. Everything is green and gold and bougie. And it's it's just, it's very much my vibe. (laughs) But the place again, it's called Havum. And it's essentially a bespoke med spa helping people. Yeah. Well, I'll include all details in the show notes for people to find Havum, find you. I can even include your Instagram account if you want to shout that out now, too. Yeah. So it's going to be at Michelle.Havum. And okay. Havum is spelled H A E V U M. Awesome. This has been wonderful. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm so excited. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all and we'll see you next week.